Welcome to the Rough Draft Podcast, the only podcast that is 100% GMO-free. Most other shows you listen to, they grow those in labs. Today we're talking about fantasy, whether it be swords and spells or a stable job after college. Before that, though, we recently had a table for National Day of Writing, interviewing people coming through about their own writing. Additionally, we had a round-robin writing sheet, where every person got three or four words to add on to a grand story, and that will be read at the end of the podcast. I'm your host, Olivia, and always remember, the real magic was inside of us all along. Hey, Cam, what are we talking about today? Fantasy. Fantasy, yeah. You ever watch Lord of the Rings? No. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, like, Game of Thrones... I, I haven't watched Game of Thrones. I, I don't want to watch. I don't want to watch Game of Thrones. Um, I don't know anything sort of like sword and shield kind of stuff. Um, Adventure Time is technically a fantasy. No, you are absolutely correct. I have not watched Adventure Time, but no, Adventure Time definitely fits. It's got the whole everything fantasy in it. Um. So, like, fantasy is a weird genre to define, because, like, there's, so, there's like, a lot of different types. Like, there's the sort of, like, more out-there, absurd types, like Adventure Time. Right. And then there's, like, the gritty, like, oh, Game of Thrones. Ugh. <laughs> I'm going to sneer for 12 episodes and then die. <laughs> or I'm going to sneer for, like, eight seasons eight and then die. Um... The funniest thing to me about Game of Thrones is, like, everybody was so, like, betrayed or whatever by the finale. But, like, from what I had heard, the writing was like that the whole time. And they just didn't. They just... they, I, You know what I think it was? I think it was, like, the entire show, it's like, these horrible things are happening to these people. But there'll be a payoff. And then when they're like, there's two episodes left, everyone started realizing, it's not gonna be a payoff, is there? <laughs> there's no payoff. Um, did you read that thing about how the the makers of uh, Game of Thrones? Yeah, yeah, I think I read something about like um. Oh, uh, um, Professor Dell mentioned it in class. Right. That that yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. that that's where it was from. Um, one of the the the, the guys who wrote Game of Thrones and directed it or or whatever, they had no experience, they had nothing, but because one of their like dads knew a guy. Like worked with a guy from HBO. HBO greenlit their show. Daddy, I need a show. <laughs> okay, sweetheart. <laughs> I know you're a like international like Wells Fargo banker, but I would like some money too, please. Like trust fund kids. <laughs> yeah, um, but you no know, fan like like Game of Thrones sort of scratched an itch for a lot of people for like you know because a lot of people won't get into the sort of like more fantastical stuff like Lord of the Rings or you know tabletop games or Adventure Time or whatever because they're like oh it's you know Adventure Time they're like oh it's a kids show or D&D Lord of the Rings is like that's nerd stuff and then they'll go watch Game of Thrones right? which is you know swords and magic and dragons and stuff but presented like it's Dog. Breaking Bad. Yeah. Um, and so, like, like that's why fantasy is so hard to pin down, because, like, 
there's so many different ways you can you can do it. I mean, you could do like a classical sort of high fantasy thing like Lord of the Rings. You could do your gritty realistic fantasy. Um, one particular flavor of fantasy that I like is like the urban fantasy, like the modern, right. like our society with like all of our tech, but also magic. So like a university or whatever where, you know, you've got like humans on campus but then you also have like elves and dwarves and gnomes and everybody like walking around and um, one of the funny things you can think about that is like the logistics because you you think you know if there's like orcs walking around every door has to fit orcs Uh, yeah cafeteria food yeah no and they'd all have totally different like metabolisms and diets and all that sort of stuff um so yeah, uh, fantasy is a genre that I personally have a big connection to. I like it a lot. Um, just because, like, one of the things that's, like, appealing about sort of fantasy is the concept of, like, these supernatural creatures and these supernatural, like, beings and magic and, you know, heroics and right. all that sort of stuff. Like, some of the first, like fairy tales or whatever were like slay the giant slay the dragon saint george shit Um, yeah um and so like i think it's really interesting to write one of those stories because they're really simple stories right Like, like those old stories like saint george that's a really simple story but taking a story like that, a Slay the Dragon story, and filtering it back through our current understanding of sort of, like, writing and narrative, whatever, because, like, you couldn't make a hit with a story that was just, like, he went over and he slayed the dragon because he's good at everything. You couldn't do that, you know? You gotta have, like, right. intrigue now. And that that is an itch I think a lot of people have, that to see that sort of, like, classic heroic magical sword story in a modern and a lot of people were hoping for that from Game of Thrones yeah but um yeah what happened there bud it just all went it went bad I mean I, I, I think it just went bad expectations thought man hmm. fantasy is pretty cool I watch it not that much but in like anime and all that stuff oh no absolutely like animation and anime there's plenty of fantasy there pretty much fantasy so oh well I forgot that one fantasy show Made in Abyss it was popular for like 2018 and it was just so lovable like it's like lovely characters like look like like chibi it's like little figurines yeah yeah it's just lovable but then it's super dark like eating people so, so, so like the art style doesn't match up with not that. at all that's what everyone was like it was such a turn off everyone like oh what is this kid stuff ew soon as you watch it it's like oh wow like oh my god yeah I think fantasy for me though it's just it's just cool to be in like another world and place just at that moment like wow I mean you could probably make an argument that like Dragon Ball is fa- counts as fantasy. Right. Like, a lot of those fighting anime types, those count as fantasy. Because, um, like, um, I mean, 
Dragon Ball has some like sci-fi to it because they have you know like spaceships and and that kind of stuff. But they also do very much have like mystical powers and flying clouds Kong and like flying yeah, and and like the alien thing is sort of like their explanation. But that doesn't change the fact that he's like transforming into a giant monkey. Right. That's fantasy <laughs> stuff, you know. But it, right. it, it's specifically like because like the sword and sword and shield stuff. A lot of that is Western fantasy. But, like, Eastern fantasy can manifest in that sort of, like, you know, uh, um, relating back to stuff like the, the the Chinese Zodiac or, you know, Japanese, like, the concepts of, like, um, I forget what they're called. But, like, the little, like, demons. Uh, yokai? Yokai, yeah, yeah. Um, that, that can come through in a lot of that. Um... So that that's another thing, seeing how different cultures handle fantasy. Um, one one thing that's really interesting to think about is um, vampires, because vampires, the concept of a vampire, uh, a you know an undead being that drinks people's blood, that's pretty universal. There's a lot of uh, of vampire mythology, just like there's a lot of different types of dragons, because you know older cultures kept finding dinosaur bones and being like, well, that thing was messed up. <laughs> Um, but you know, if you look at different vampires, like our like our Western idea of a vampire is very based on like Christianity, which is weird. Yeah. Yeah, because like you know they can't go in churches. Mm -hmm. um, blah, blah blah. Like crosses hurt them. Garlic hurts them. That's weird. Um, stuff about like you know sunlight. Um, but there's some lesser known ones that come from more like Eastern European, where it's like oh uh, they can't cross water, like they can't cross running water. Which is, you know, that's a pretty easy thing to get. Yeah. You know, like like vampires can't walk over a bridge if it's over a river. No, that that's like legit. And then there's <laughs> the other ones that's like, um, if a vampire sees like a grain of rice or like a bag of rice, um, they have to count every grain. They're they're compulsive counters, and that's why the count in Sesame Street is like that. Oh like my. that's based in that mythology. Blew my mind. <laughs> no, yeah, for sure. Like, like the count isn't just like a vampire who also counts. No, he's a part of the vampire mythology. He counts stuff, and so like, like, and then the different ways of like, okay, cam, cam pop quiz. How do you kill a vampire? Garlic, a steak, steak through the heart, steak through the heart. Um. But a lot of the mythology, that, that's kind of watered down from a lot of the original mythology. Uh, one mm -hmm. thing I saw is that, like, the first vampire ever, the whole process was a stake through the heart will stun him. Mm -hmm. And, like, it, he won't be able to move as long as the stake's in there. But then, you got to splash some holy water on his forehead and cut his head off. And that's it. Or sunlight. Sunlight just does that. Oh, yeah. Sunlight just... <laughs> yeah. So, like, like, the different ways that vampires are sort of handled in different parts of the world are really interesting. And then there's not not even speaking on modern adaptations of vampires and all the 20 billion different ways that went. Yeah. Um, I don't even know where vampires... Because... Here's the thing, like... Vampires power set is so broad at this point if if you had one vampire that had every power that every vampire in fiction has ever exhibited absolute monster could not fight <laughs> that thing because like you know super strength super speed turning oh, into yeah. a bat turning into a wolf turning into mist you know uh fucking hypnotizing people uh, um but in like in bram stoker's dracula it's just like 
this nobleman is just kind of weird. Because, <laughs> like, like that that's what Dracula's about. Dracula's about how, you know, the rich are parasites. That's Pretty what it's, it's... It's like this ancient nobleman kills and eats the poor to keep living. And also, he doesn't drink wine. That's just... That's not even a vampire thing. Like, like the character hears that and he's like, wow, Count Dracula's pretty weird. <laughs> he doesn't drink wine. Um, and, you know, as the reader, it's kind of like, oh, is that because he's some sort of being? But it's never explained. Like, vampires can drink wine. Like, he just doesn't like it. <laughs> so, like, you know, there's a lot of different ways to do fantasy, which I think is one of the greatest strengths of the genre. You know, anyone can write a fantasy in their own style. Right. It's very... Yeah. I mean, that's a good point. It really is. It really do depends on, like, religion and Eastern, Western um, beliefs. And that would do, like... It, that was wild. Right? And now we have some interviews from the National Day of Writing. I write for papers. And then in high school, I used to write for competition. Uh, do you like to write? Yeah. Kinda. No. Or do you hate to write? Kinda. No, I kind of like it. It's kind of cool. Okay. Why do you like to write? It's a way of create, creating stuff and going on, and I don't know. It's kind of enjoyable. It's peaceful. I do a lot of uh, just journals, journal writing throughout the day, writing writing down my thoughts. Uh, my hopes is to make it eventually into songwriting and making it into lyrics and expressing myself a, a little more articulate than I usually do. I'm, it's still a work in progress. I'm still haven't figured out the process I like to do, um, but right now I kind of just write. I kind of just have a feeling, and then I kind of just go from that feeling, and then I, that kind of just develops a story, and hopefully it makes sense at the end of it. I enjoy writing poetry the most, so I guess a type of creative writing. I'm really good at writing essays, though. So. Like academic essays? Yeah, like academic essays for sure. Well, I used to work with a bunch of youth poets in high school, so I guess that organization of poets is probably my most um, inspiration. They, I have get my most inspiration from them, but I love Langston Hughes. I definitely go a couple, a couple different places. I don't think there's one topic that I rotate around um, because what I found in youth poetry is that youth poets tend to rotate around certain topics, so I guess my rotation would be... Reaching different topics. I like to analyze things um, specifically from a feminist point of view. <laughs> okay, so we're talking like pop culture kind of analysis, like TV shows, movies, literature, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, specifically literature, because I think it's interesting to look at how it's changed over time, but how the issue is still relevant. If you had to pick two sort of works to embody how much the topic has changed over time, what would they be? There's a lot. You can analyze feminism in literally any text that you read. That's the thing I like about it. I like poetry. Um, I really love the idea of poetry, how it speaks a language of love, how, you know, different um, different uh, phrases, different structures of poetry. I also love creative writing. Um, because my mind literally jumps anywhere, so I love that I can't really. There's not really like a set idea of a creative uh, creative writing. You can have one theme and you know go with another one. So, all-time favorite is definitely Langston Hughes. Um, I love Maya Angelou, Robert Frost. Um, 
I'm gonna give you my top three because I have I'm like, I have a lot. I'm just gonna stop there. But Langston Hughes definitely like the like my one. I like um, historical fiction where the modern person goes back in time and then has to like figure out how to deal with um, the past. Uh, there's a series um, where this uh, female detective goes back into time and then she has the modern day knowledge of detective work, but it's like in the 1800s, so she doesn't have any of the tools. Yeah, something in time. There's like, I read three of them. They're like crime in time, past in time. I don't know what they're called, but I, I read those. <laughs> and uh, what do you think is sort of like attractive about that genre? Again, we're just going to call it a genre. Uh, I like the idea that um, that we knowledge continues but um, you have to sort of figure out how to deal with the culture that you're in and um, and often they're women protagonists so beyond just not having like DNA abilities you also have to deal with the fact that people don't believe that you have the ability to actually exist independently. I write because I have a lot of ideas and I think it's fun. I usually write stories that I originally think they're gonna be short stories and then they just continue so more like novels that's kind of what I write and they're usually fantasy or some version like they usually have an aspect of fantasy in it when I did try to combine sci-fi and fantasy and that was a whole combination so that's usually what ends up happening all right uh, and do you find academic writing more constraining or more liberating? I find it constraining because I find that if I can be as creative as possible, I usually get a better result. Um, and when it's academic writing, I have to worry about like whether I'm actually answering the question. But if it's an open-ended, like I can be as creative as I want, it's usually I can get it done faster, it's more fun, and it just flows better. I write because, well, it's my job. I'm a tutor in the writing center. And I also write because I'm a philosophy major and instead of tests and quizzes, we have essays. So that's why I write. So you say you do more academic writing than creative writing or free writing? Pretty much. Um, I haven't had the chance to do a lot of creative writing, at least in the past few years. The last time I did, I think, was in Intro to Creative Writing, but yeah, most of my writing is academic. I feel like it's a little more constraining because there are certain things I have to write about and I have to do it in a specific way and I don't always get the freedom to decide, okay, this is the direction I want to go in or this is what I really want to write about. So I feel it's a little more restricting than liberating. Okay, so... If you could address a letter or a diss track to one person, one notable philosopher, who would it be and why? That is, that is honestly a really tough question. Well, um, I actually have to address a letter to a philosopher, Fantel, because I've been reading his book in one of my classes, so I have to write a letter to him. Basically... I think the question I want to ask is, if I wanted to write a philosophical book, what's the first step that I would need to take to get that done? Because that's something I, I think I would like to do in the future. But you don't necessarily want to throw hands with anyone from the massive school of philosoph uh, philosophical thought. Um, I think I would, 
think I would go back to anyone who read Marx and said, okay, don't take this too literally. <laughs> okay. I do like philosophical writing because it allows me the chance to express how I feel about certain philosophical topics and ideas. Um, and I'm not always the best at verbal communication, as you can tell by this interview. But at, at the same time, I do like responding, but I don't like it as much because when I'm responding to something, I don't always want to impact someone's feelings. Like I don't want to say, okay, this is good in this way, but I kind of disagree with you on this. And I'm like, I don't, like, I don't want to make it personal. Like, okay, I like your writing, but I just don't like your idea. That not saying your idea is bad. I just don't. I disagree with it. So I don't know. That's just that's just something I struggle with. So I like philosophical writing better. So we're gonna ask why you write. Um, that's the first question, and then we just kind of go from there based off of whatever your answer is. Basically, a conversation. It's only gonna be like maybe a minute. So why do you write? So I write because I like to put my ideas down on paper. I have a lot of thoughts within my inner self, so it's better to write them down so I can have a scope of what my mind is thinking about and what course of action I want to take based on the ideas that I have going on in my head. I prefer to do free writing. Yeah, sometimes I like to do free writing, free writing because it lets the mind flow easier. That's what I believe that is better for writing, free writing. So if I'm writing for fiction or nonfiction, I prefer to write about things that possibly could or couldn't happen and just always having a visionary outlook towards the future. It's always thinking on the infinite possibilities of things because things can just go in so many different ways if you think about it. So yeah, visionary outlook on the future. I write to cause change in the world. <laughs> So I really, I, I, take, uh, I take a lot of pleasure in, in doing different kinds of writing. So um, I would say that philosophical and academic, well, philosophical writing is, is um, fun because it, it's, the, it, it's the kind of writing that stretches my mind the most. And I like having my mind stretched. And so sometimes academic writing that's more routine can get a little tedious, but the nice thing about being a writer is it's the rhetorical situation is never exactly the same, and so there's kind of there's kind of infinite variety. The the variables are never quite the same in any in any rhetorical situation. So, so if I had to if I had to pick one, I would say philosophical writing would probably be my favorite. All right, and here comes the hard question: If you had to throw hands with any philosophical historical writer, who would it be, and why? So uh, I want to touch base with this uh, Italian humanist Renaissance writer named Giambattista Vico, who will actually be reading in class the end of this week. So because, because he was the first anti-Descartes and anti-Royal um, anti Society people who said that, no, we still need humanism and we still need rhetoric and we still need all these wonderful things in the world. Um, now he, he totally lost I and mean, he got steamrolled by by Descartes but um, but I would I would love to uh, to talk to him because he was kind of the you know the, the voice for you know justice and and righteousness in the in the wilderness <laughs> so I'd love to talk to him all right and and lastly what is your favorite old-timey vocab word forsooth <laughs> why do I write uh, I write largely because I have to <laughs> I have to I have to for my job so I'm a professor 
uh, and there's a thing called publish or perish. Uh, and so I don't wish to perish. And so I, I get up every morning and I write. And you mostly write academic papers. I do mostly write academic papers, although somewhere, somewhere in my heart of hearts, I still think that I'm going to write the great American science fiction short story. I just haven't quite sat down to write that one yet. Well, it, it's funny. Uh, I find it more liberating because academic writing allows me to choose my own questions and then pursue those questions. Uh, however, it is constrained in, in the way that sometimes you have to represent or, or present what you find, right? So you've got uh, kind of standard uh, types of papers that you have to write or kind of standard sections. So a little bit from A, a little bit from B. All right. Okay. And this might be a hard question for you, but if you had to metaphorically or literally fight any science fiction author, who would it be and why? Well, I'm, I don't wish to fight anybody. Uh, I would say, um, hmm, probably, probably Heinlein, who I've never been, I have to admit, I've never been much of a fan of, although I've liked, uh, I mean, I enjoyed Starship Troopers as a, as a piece of film. Uh, I can't say that I'm necessarily a fan of his writing, so I guess that would be a science fiction writer that I would, I would disagree with, if not necessarily fight. All right, is it more his writing style or more his subject matter? Well, a little bit more his subject matter. Heinlein always kind of leaned uh, a, a little bit stranger than I, than I think was, was necessary for the time. So. All right, thank you so much. Rounding out this episode, I'd like to wish a happy birthday to Odell Beckham Jr. and Kevin Jonas, Give a shout out to our editor Aaron and our interview manager Cam, and note that our next episode on science fiction will be coming out November 19th. I've been your host Olivia, Katsumatione in Opulentos, and always remember to lift with your knees and not your back when you're pulling swords from stones. Take care, right on. Hey everybody, it's Aaron. Uh, I am here for our ending segment of the Round Robin Writing Corner, uh, and I'm going to be reading these out with one of my best friends, Cassio Cosa. Would you care to introduce yourself? Hi everybody, my name is Cassio Cosa. I'm a senior biology major here in your College of Pennsylvania, and I'm one of Aaron's bestest friends since day one. Uh, we're going to start with the first of our two stories. We do have two of them. Uh, these were just... Students coming by, uh, adding to some crazy stories. And do keep in mind that this will be entirely uncensored. It's a Mad Libs. And we do have some less than safe for work language. All right. Uh, I'm going to read out one line. You read out the next sentence. Okay? All right. So our first one starts with once upon a time, a dragon. Fell asleep in a tower. Then he took a shower. Soon, he grabbed his backpack and met a lion's roar in the outback. Tree and peed in his pants. Trippin' mad balls in a treehouse. Suddenly, a princess fell out of a window and gave them a sword? Gifting them with the ability to fly. A magical dog appeared. To bring about world peace. There were a non-binary dog the end so that is our first of two stories uh the second one is significantly shorter um and it begins with 
suddenly beavers were running everywhere. But then they began to get hungry and stopped when suddenly an owl appeared and said, all beavers must build me a nest. The beavers glared. Not gonna happen. And flicked the <laughs> and flicked the owl off. In anger, the owl had introspective thoughts, thus causing the owl to explode. And that is the end of our second story. I hope you guys enjoyed your National Day of Writing. And in this, our November National Novel Writing Month, do keep in mind to get your word counts exactly where you need them to be. And please, don't die as you're trying to hammer out that novel. I know I will. <laughs> Have a good one, you guys.